Welcome to the DW Goalkeeping Academy podcast. Here we'll be discussing all things goalkeeping from special guest Q&As, tips and advice, training techniques, fixtures, coaching and much, much more. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify. Ben, how you doing? All right. Right, that's better. We're still not there. Hang on. Right, try that again. You hear me all right now? Oh, that's loads better. Right. Marvellous. So, I'll just do a quick sort of welcome mm-hmm. for our listeners, and then we'll get straight into it, if that's all right. Yeah, I'm now on my headphones, microphone, so can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. Good. It wouldn't be a Friday without a few techie techie issues, would, would it? I've never plugged headphones into this phone, ever. They were, <laughs> they were still in the wrapper in the box, but luckily, the, my, I keep all my phone boxes because I'm a bit of a geek like that. Yeah. So I literally spun my chair around. I was like, oh, there's headphones in it. Result. Yeah, I use my headphones all the time. Yeah, I noticed. Don't know why. I, I, I find that it sort of... Um sort of makes the background noise um, filter a little bit. Right, I'm with you. I don't know if that's, don't know if that's true or not. So, um, hi everyone. Hope you've had a, a good week or as good a week as you can. Um, we are back again for our third podcast episode. And this week we are joined by DW Goalkeeping Academy coach Ben Saywood. Thanks for joining us, Ben. You're more than welcome. You might not be saying that <laughs> once we get going. <laughs> no, it'll be fine, won't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will be. Um, mm. Are you okay for us to make a start? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Marvellous. So, nice and easy to start with. Could you kindly talk us through your journey, please? Okay, that's that's definitely a bit of a question so obviously played youth football same as you know 99% of the kids out there um, played for yeah. my local grassroots team from the age of seven all the way through to when the team disbanded at under 16s some ups some downs yeah. some questionable players some questionable coaching uh, questionable parents back then it was the normal thing um, <laughs> yeah you know but we had some good days out uh, we done um international tours, you know, like the old coach trips to Holland and stuff like that. So, you know, nice. madly in love with the game. Um, initially, I started playing outfield. That didn't last very long. And I got put in goal for the stereotypical reason of being not the best outfield player. So, going the sticks. Yeah. Coincidentally, turned out I was half decent. Um, and then played in goal ever since. Um, I played outfield at secondary school. Our secondary school team was a very good team um, and I didn't want to play in goal all of the time. So played outfield for the school, yeah. enjoyed that. Left school, um, had trials at Colchester um, under Mickey Cook's oversight, which was a great experience. Learned a lot, enjoyed the football. Was that yeah, as a that keeper? A or... keeper. Yeah, so... Um, I yeah. got exposed to some really good training, got an insight. In, I mean, academies now are completely different to they were then. It wasn't even called an academy back then, was it? It was um, schoolboy football, whatever it was called. But um, Yeah, yeah all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So, enjoyed it. Um, there was 
in other people's opinion, not necessarily mine, a couple of better goalkeepers there. Um, so that was short-lived. Um, came out of there. wouldn't say I fell out of love with the game, but I kind of had the wrong attitude with hindsight that, oh, couldn't make it for Colchester under-16s. Sort of game over. Do you know what I mean? I had aspirations of going elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, that mindset. Yeah, which, yeah. mate, that was a terrible mistake I made. But there you go. Um, live and learn. So, yeah, it's kind of had a bit of a hiatus from the game. Did a bit of coaching with one of the managers at my grassroots club. Um, it's like his goalkeeping assistant, you know, specific goalkeeper training back yeah. then was, well, few and far between, let's say. So, did a bit of that. Um, and then at the age of 18, maybe 19, decided I was going to pursue a career in golf. Um, and football got left, <laughs> okay. football got left behind. <laughs> yeah, now that's my playing career. Coaching wise, um, my son is 10 years old now, and like as I was very much in love with football, so I joined him up to the yeah. local uh, grassroots club. Had no intentions of being anything other than a parent, you know. Um, just didn't want to get involved with it because I can't do anything half-heartedly, as you know. And um, Yeah, or Liam. Yeah, yeah, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. If I'm not, I'm not. Um, so, his under-seven season was good. Um, the manager of his team, who I'm sure is going to listen to this podcast, so um, I better speak from the heart and truthfully. Uh, no pressure. No pressure, so, yeah. Very nice guy. Um, got on very well. There was definitely the makings of a team within that group of kids. And Gavin, that's his name, said to me at the end of that season, listen, there's a bit more work here managing a team than, than I thought, you know, with the training and the admin yeah. and managing parents yeah. and the kids plus working and having a home life. Yeah. Would you mind helping? I was like, uh, yeah, that's fine. I can help. Uh, the club enrolled us on the Mandatory FA level one outfield. Yeah, realistically, damn best seven days of my life since the kids have been born. Um, loved it, okay. got into it. Um, went out of that into the level one GK because there was a game as it was years and years ago. Not much goalkeeper support at the club. Um, the coaching I had yeah. done with the under sevens, thoroughly enjoyable. Kind of gave me that buzz back. You know what I mean? That that this this is a sport yeah. to be enjoyed. Um, when I got the GK one, uh, found you as it were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> found you as it were, and then um, you know yourself and a, a couple of other people um, within the within the club said, "Well, what about the level two? Uh, had a chat with yeah. uh, David Streetly or Streets, who was our mentor on the level one. He said, yeah, do it, Ben, do it. You, yeah. You'll love it. Um, complete, or started that March 2018. I can't remember now. Long while ago. And I thought I'd space it out and really take the information in. And literally <clears throat> completed that November just gone because of COVID and, and all the other situations going on at the minute. Yeah, other breaks. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. that really delayed the level two. And that brings us up to kind of present day in terms of my coaching career. So just just going back to it, you said the seven, seven days on your level one, uh -huh. you 
thoroughly enjoyed. Yes. Why was that out of interest? Do you know what? This is a weird thing. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier on uh, during my playing career the questionable managing, questionable management, and questionable parents. I, yeah. I was one of those. That under seven season where I was a parent, I was very much directing the kids from the sideline. Um, Gav won't mind me saying, if he is listening, that I questioned every single decision he made. Because um, from the sideline, <laughs> you know, everyone's Sir Alex Ferguson on the sideline. Um, yeah, yeah it, everyone's a manager. Everyone's it, a coach. Is, it is what yeah. it is. So, you know, I was, I was that parent. And... The first two days of the level one, and I don't know whether this is the level one specifically or whether it was the way Streets was delivering in the content or his man. I, I don't know what it was, but I just sat there and it was as if I'd been blinkered for however many years of my life had already passed. And this guy was saying to me, oh, hang on a minute. This is a game. You know, fundamentally, it's a game and it's there to be enjoyed. And yeah. if I spoke to you, in X tone of voice as an employee, what would you tell me to do? And I was like, oh, yeah. And he said, okay, so these are seven-year-old children, eight-year-old children, nine-year-old children. What gives you the right to speak to them like that and instruct them like that? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is, I can't believe I've been. A light bulb. Yeah, a light bulb moment, life-changing moment. Um, and I very, very quickly did a 180 on my uh, communication skills, my outlooks, ethoses, philosophies, all that stuff, literally no, no. Yeah, yeah. did a 180, but not just in the football environment. Um, I don't know how many people know or care, but I'm a director of a couple of businesses. And a lot yeah. of the stuff I've picked up and learned from coaches, mentors, people like yourself, other coaches at the academy, I've began to implement them in my business life. And I'm seeing the same yeah, yeah. returns and gains in business as I am on the football pitch, on the training pitch, you know. Um, so, yeah, in, in that respect, those seven days I spent on my level one, it, it sounds so sort of X-factory to say, you know, oh, it's a dream come true and all that. But when I say they opened my eyes, they literally opened my eyes. Yeah. Cross-transferable cross skills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's very much can-do, positivity, you know, just, it's, it's amazing. And it, and it, and it works, That I've seen yeah. in the workplace, on the football pitch, you know, the, the things that the kids are doing, the things my staff are doing. Um, I think if you've got that security, um, knowing that you can try these things and try to be the best that you can without being held accountable for a mistake that you might make as a product of trying. Do you know what I mean? You, how can you fault a trial? Yeah, you you yeah. can't fault somebody for giving it their best. You can't. Um, and that, that's, yeah. in a nutshell, that's all I learned on the level one, um, with the greatest respect to coaches, because everybody knows football, as we said. Um, but yeah, yeah, life-changing. And I'm so, so glad I did it. Um, I wish I'd have done it earlier. I should have done that when I was 16, toying around with coaching at grassroots, I should have done it then. Mm. At least you've done it. Yeah, it's true <laughs> enough. Yeah. I know a few coaches out there that haven't done it and are still trying to coach, bless them. Um, yeah. Hey-ho. No, I like, I like that. I like the fact that it's not necessarily the 
detail that you've learned from the course, which, well, courses, which some people assume is the case, but you've taken probably, arguably, something away that's a lot bigger than any detail you could get on the course. I think so. I watched, um, I can't remember what it was, but there was a TV program on the telly quite a while back. And it was Alan Shearer talking about his relationship with um, uh, Bobby, I can't remember the manager's name. Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson. Um, yeah. Bobby Robson can't teach Alan Shearer how to finish. Do you know what I mean? Um, he hasn't got right. that in him. And Alan Shearer said his success at Newcastle and in the England squad was purely down to Bobby Robson. And it, and it wasn't because yeah. he was delivering uh, training regimes, diet plan, none of that sort of what I'd class as technical stuff. But he had the confidence... Yeah to go out and do what he needed to do, he had the backing of his manager 120%, you know. And um, yeah. for the younger kids listening or younger adults listening, they might not have seen it, but I'm sure you remember, the guy was untouchable. And, yeah. no, and, and for him. him to say, what are we, maybe 15, 20 years after the event, that was all down to my manager... You know, and he's not a coach, is he? Bobby Robson, he, he's not a coach. In the, he is a no, manager. he's a manager. Yeah, and, yeah and he's a manager. he gave Alan Shearer yeah. that platform to go out and, and do what he wanted to do. Well, that's life-changing. And he didn't have to scream at him or chase him around the running track with a big stick to make him run faster. It was very much, you know what you've got to do. There's no pressure here. Go out and do it. And that, for me, yeah. you know, works. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's how he made him feel. Because I, I mean, I've I've done a lot of sort of um, sort of background research into uh, Mourinho because I, I he's not everyone's cup of tea, but agreed, I like agreed. him a lot. Um, and he learned a lot from Bobby Robson, um, just the way that he conducted himself, the way that he spoke to players, aspects um, of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and. And then, like, skipper generation, um, Andre uh-huh. Villas-Boas um, also learnt from Bobby Robson. So, there's there's coaches or managers that are still in the game now that, that learnt a hell of a and, lot and from him. all those so, years ago yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, could, could you argue he was ahead of the game or are the English FA behind? And I think... Yeah, yeah you, Good you, you can flip it either way. But, Bobby Robson... Knew it all them years ago. And as you said, if he's being replicated now by... I mean, they're two world-renowned managers, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, top, top they're, managers they're in Europe. Like, yeah. um, me trying to manage not the youth on a Sunday afternoon. And if someone's <laughs> copying what you're doing and getting results out of it, it's just fundamentally proving that it worked and it was accurate enough to replicate. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So that... Um, follows on to our next question that sort of suits what okay. we're talking about. What What's your philosophy? My coaching philosophy? Um, yes. I've got quite a few bullet points in my philosophy. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's yeah. part of the um, level two, as you know. Um, and I'm not going to yeah. fib to you, Dan. I've actually got it printed out in front of me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Preparation. Know, so I don't... <laughs> fluff me lines and say something that um, I'm not going to back up. So first bullet point on my philosophy is people first, players second. 
um, straight out of the yeah. FA book. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it goes back to that thing. You know, my players on the pitch, on the training ground, they're not my assets. I don't own them in any shape, way or form. So they're people. Um, our kids aren't being paid 300 grand a week to run around on the pitch, um, like some of the pros. So, you know, they're people. They're my, hopefully, friends, associates, whatever you want to call them, but they're, they're people. So people first, players second. And I think I could, I could utilise that, even yeah. if I was... It's highly unlikely to happen, but even if I did make it to a semi-pro coach or manager or something like that, I would still be able to to keep that as part of my philosophy, I hope. Um, second point, yeah. sport should be fun, even more so in training. Um, and, and that's just something as sort of like a throwback to my career. I did some horrific training, um, you know, just <laughs> drills and... There was a couple of sessions where this is youth football as well, Dan. I'm not talking semi-pro, you know what I mean? but as a youth, yeah. there were sessions where we didn't see a football until the last ten minutes of the session when we had to go. Uh, yeah, you know, old school. Um, yeah, it's it, it's hard. I, I understand. You know, sometimes coming up with a creative session is a bit tricky, but the kids are there to have fun first and foremost. Um, and if you're not having fun, are you going to take in information? coaching points are you going to come back next week you know they're all they're all factors so yeah you know it should be fun um i don't have to do much on match day to motivate the kids they're just happy to be there playing um however yeah training sessions um when we're designing them there's there's got to be something in it that's enjoyable um fun's yeah. a, a nice thing to aim for but enjoyable you know has got to be in there so yeah, that's that's the second point. Um, third one, we uh, we overcome obstacles and challenges together. You know, part of the learning process. Yeah, like you, know, that. you know as well as I yeah. do. You learn from your mistakes, um, especially in goal. Um, but we'll we'll do that together. Yeah. We're we're a team in every sense of the word. Um, sports should be inclusive for all, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's again nobody owns it. It's a it's a sport, it's a hobby, and there's there's room in the game for everybody, absolutely everybody. So, um, agreed. Yeah. yeah, team leadership is the team's responsibility. That's my last point. You know, uh, especially as a goalkeeper and you being a coach, the the importance of communication is massive. Oh, it's one of the Key. biggest things in yeah. the game, you know, and it it rolls over into the social corner, doesn't it? Technical, tactical, even the side yeah. corner, you know, communication. Um, mostly I'm coaching younger kids. And I know having a conversation with younger kids now, stereotypically people say it's real hard work. Um, you can't get them to sort of engage with you because they're glued to their tablet or their phone or the PlayStation or the whatever it is. Yeah. Um, my experience, not blowing my own trumpet, I have conversations with all the kids, whether it's training, match day, you know, whatever it is. And Wherever, that communication, yeah. you know, the people that can communicate better and have a clear idea of where they want to go can turn into captains or managers in their working life or, you know, it's it's key. So part of my yeah. philosophy is, yeah, we might have a captain, but we're here together. So that kind of steps on the last point of my philosophy. It's a bit of a sort of crossover if you want but um 
I just think it's so important, especially in the sort of social media world we live in. Verbal conversations and verbal commands probably exist less now than they ever did. And I think that will reduce further. Yeah. And I just hope as a race that we don't lose this ability to communicate in the way that we are now. <clears throat> I've yeah, got a cough. Is that all right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, of course. Um, nearly there, Dan. I know it's a long philosophy, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, to be the best... <laughs> I'm sure uh, you yeah. can go into well, more detail. In case I ever make it to the UA for B. But um, to be the best requires maximum <laughs> effort, you know. And again, it's a bit of a selfish point and reflective of what happened to me. I know I didn't make a career in football because I didn't apply maximum effort. I, I, I know that now. Yeah. Back when I was 16, I knew everything and nobody could tell me. So if I can achieve one thing in my coaching career is to prevent one child, one person, whoever it may be, making that same mistake I did because I kick myself most days um, for, for not applying myself in the correct way, yeah? Um, and then that also yeah. puts the onus back on me. I, I don't want to be that coach delivering a boring session where there's no learning opportunity for the child, for the keeper. I, I don't want to be that person. So... I'll put the max effort in to give you the platform. Take what you want from it, you know. It's entirely up to you as an individual. But I'll put the effort in. Yeah. If you give that effort back, the, the moon is the limit. Do you know what I mean? We can hit the moon because... Yeah, yeah, you, you, you get bounce your, off of each you other. Get I mean, your you, you know that. Um, me, you, all the other coaches, we bounce off of each other. We learn from each other. Yeah. And then, as it says around the side of the pound coin... We're standing on the shoulders of giants. We've got all that information behind us mm. already to build on. And then, the, 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 as I say, the moon's the limit. Uh, second from last point, yeah. we never lose, we win or learn. Um, I'm specifically still at the stage with the youth. We're playing youth football. Results aren't published with the age group I'm coaching. You know, it's... Yeah. 50 minutes of your life, 60 minutes of your life, 90 minutes of your life. You know, it's, it's another lesson. So we never lose. We win or we learn. Um, bit fluffy, but I think it's true. I think it's important, you know. Um, and then last point, yeah. this journey has no destination. You know, um, I think the coach that thinks he knows it all is going to come up short. I think the player that thinks they know it all yeah. is going to come up short. Um, Again, that's, that's a life lesson as well for me. Something that's transferable from the game of football into life. You know, the point at which you think you know it all and there's no room for improvement, go and do something else. Because um, the, the learning opportunities out there yeah. are endless. Yeah, especially the yeah, technology. Yeah, I was just looking, I was um, completely off topic. Have you seen um, these inner souls you can get and put uh, like a smart giblet in it? On the market, yeah. So yes. I've just met yeah. someone said, oh, it's so-and-so yeah. birthday, I've got on these. Had a quick look on it. It can measure how quickly you can kick the football. Right. If I had have had yeah. that when I was a kid, do you know what I mean? The, <laughs> the technology, you know, it's still a physical sport. You've still got to put the effort in. But to know the, the speed I'm implementing on, the, on a pass, goal kick, shot, what. Mate. Yeah, it can be measured. It's bananas. Yeah, it can be measured. I would have loved something like that when I was little. 
And that technology, that will keep improving. So even if you're at the stage now where yeah. you're at 100% kicking speed possible, whatever, the boot technology will move on. The football technology will move on. Then this, te- you know, th- this is limitless. Yeah. You know, um, and that kind of, it's in there so that any of my goalkeepers, players under my care, you know, I just want them to keep striving for excellence. And, and that's what that coaching point's about. I like that. There's there's definitely elements of your philosophy that um, coincides with certain aspects oh, okay. of mine. So I don't think I've actually read your coaching philosophy. I do like that. Your personal one? No. Obviously, I've read the one yeah. that we have for the academy. I'll, um, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to ping I'll have to ping it over to you. It's more of a summary. Oh, and it's not quite as in depth as mine. Is that a polite way of saying? <laughs> no, well, as as you know, I'm still uh, fine tuning my uh-huh. prep for my UEFA B uh, course. So yeah, I'll yeah, send you over what I've got, and you can have a little look here. Um, so like myself, uh, <laughs> well, you, you are a West Ham fan. I say that. Um, what have you made of their season so oh, far? I've really enjoyed watching them play, which is a complete reversal on last year. I mean, you know, we was quite often at the ground watching the same yeah. game. Um, I wish and pray <laughs> yeah. to every god out there that we could be at the ground this season. Um, however, mm-hmm. I do wonder, again, you've been there and we've been there, the London Stadium can be quite a volatile place. When, when the players aren't performing, uh, yeah. West Ham fans, yeah, we, we let them know how we're well. feeling about yeah. it. Um, yeah, so yeah, very vocal. You know, part of me is thinking, is the improvement we're seeing in the squad, and I don't think that's an understatement, I think the whole squad has improved, um, because they're playing football behind closed doors, and they haven't got to listen to us, and they're under less pressure to perform. Is, is that part of it? Probably. Um, what's Moyes done in the dressing room? Um, you know, we're not flyers on the wall. We'll never know. But something's changed in that dressing room. And in terms of watching them yeah. on the pitch, the biggest thing that's different for me is the positivity in the play. You know, um, Declan Rice trying to move the ball forwards, driving forwards. Um, it's massive. I think Bowen's probably more crucial to us than anyone's given him credit for so far. Um, yeah, great. Ultimately, yeah. sounds a bit biased being goalkeeper coaches and, and goalkeepers by trade, but you know, Fabianski is still the backbone of that team. Um, and the work that Ogbonna, Dawson, Cresswell, I think Cresswell's one of the most underrated players in the country. Um, yeah, he's he's had a bit of a um, he's had a bit yeah. of a yeah. But again, even uh, last season, this season isn't team, he? I mean, we had Anderson in front of him most of the season. Um, I think Anderson was mm-hmm. not comfortable for whatever reasons they were. He wasn't comfortable. He, he'd lost his spark. Um, was that Pellegrini? Was it his home? Do you know what I mean, all of these things that kind of relate back. Uh, yeah, yeah, back to coaching philosophies and positivity and all that. It, it just wasn't there. So, I think 
they look like they're playing with a bit more freedom. They look a bit more creative. And um, I know this is being recorded, well. so you know, date stamping it's a bit silly. But the game against United uh, Tuesday night just gone. There was a five or ten minute passage of play where we just had possession. And they were moving the ball across the pitch, up and down the pitch with such pace. And I haven't seen a West Ham team play like that for maybe 10 years. Some time. You know, it just wasn't there. So we're playing a style of football akin to what you'd expect to see in the top flight of the Premier League. Um, And I I think we're doing it well. Um, And I hope it lasts. And I hope it lasts until we're allowed back <laughs> in the ground. Because it is something I'd like to experience firsthand. Yes. I'd like to be able to hear yeah. better what the players are doing on the pitch, get the opinion of the 2,900 football experts in earshot of me, um, and then try to implement that in what I'm delivering as yeah. a coach as well. Because um, I think if you were to look at the jump we've made as a percentage, I, I would argue we're 50% improved on what we were last season. Um, yeah, you know, and that's that's a At big least, thing. And I watched yeah. um, Declan Rice in a pre-match interview, might have been the weekend before, and he pointed out that Moyes um, pulled up a chart of um, how fast we were covering um, ground during games, and we came 19th out of the 20 teams yeah. in the Premiership. And Rice, I mean, even in this interview, he was taken aback by that, you know. Yeah, like, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, and then you yeah. kind of, is that a lack of desire? Not really. Nobody walks onto a football pitch and doesn't want to try. That's, you know, that's not a thing, is it? Um, and for, could, yeah, no. absolutely. All those could things. Could be confident. But when your captain, being Declan Rice, is as taken aback as that as he appeared to be, and I think it was heartfelt, Moyes then can probably see... Declan pushing players on the pitch on the training ground. Yeah. I mean, Fredericks is fast. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you've got, again, you've got that motivation. They're all bouncing off of each other. And it's definitely transferred across onto the pitch. And I'm loving watching it at the minute. You know, I'm, I'm racing for the TV remote because I don't want to miss kickoff anymore. Typically, as a West Ham fan, you were quite, yeah, yeah. You know, quite welcome to wait until half time to see whether it was still nil nil. Um, you know, I'm going to watch the second half in case we need to win here. Um, it's not the case anymore. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah. Uh, let's just hope it continues. Um, so, obviously, moving on to the bulk uh-huh. of the podcast, which is goalkeeping, obviously. Um, how... What do you want from your goalkeeper when they're playing in your team? So okay. say it's your so your kind of match day side, specific, for example. Okay. Um, yeah, so I kind of base what I want from a goalkeeper based on what I was doing and knowing where I failed. So I, I kind of want to fill in the gaps of my playing career with with the goalkeeper that I'm in charge of. So yeah. Again, we've mentioned it, and I will probably mention it again. Communication. Um, bit of a stereotypical football thing, but the goalkeeper does see everything on the pitch. They are the only player on the pitch that has the full perspective of not only their own team, but also the opposition. 
And if you can communicate yeah, uh, yeah. that to your back three, your back four, whoever's in front of you, excellent. I don't want my goalkeeper to stop there. If he can communicate with a midfielder about something that's about to happen or has happened, you know, that's then information that can make its way up to the, the forwards, the centre forward, whoever's up there. So, you know, I, I, I can't yeah. stress communication enough. And I know everyone at DW in, in a session, we're constantly looking for communication from the keepers. I don't just mean verbal either. I think that's, you know, yeah. a big mistake. People expect to arrive at football matches and have this sort of din of noise and shouting. And yes, it's effective. Um, and it probably does make up 95% of communications during a game. But visual aids, you know, um, we do an awful lot of work at the academy with dealing with back passes and goalkeepers' ability with their feet. Yeah, just use yeah, your hands. Show, show the player where yeah. you want the ball. It, it's a form of communication. Body shape, crucial for goalkeepers. I mean, it's crucial for players' outfield as well. But body shape, you, you can use that yeah. to guide a pass in, you know. I'm shaping up to take this with my left. Can I have the ball played on this side, please? Um, so, yeah, communication, literally yeah, yeah. right up there. Um, I want good technical ability in a goalkeeper as well. Um, w, scoops, you know, feet positions, knees positions, hands position, um, head up. I see so many goalkeepers setting and looking at the, the six-yard line. Um, get, get your head up, taking the full amount of information that's available to you. So, you know, a, a strong set position, yeah. my class is a technical attribute. Um, handling, you know, again, it's generally technical. Um, we've all played in the rain, snow, hail, sleet. You know, you can't hold on to everything. Absolutely, yeah. You can't it's hold on British to everything. weather, yeah. Your hand position is still going to dictate the next movement of the football, if you can't hold on to it. So, you know, you see, not berating anyone, but you see parents trying to coach their goalkeepers from the sideline or in the back garden. You know, hand position's crucial, you know. Um, you think about the time an outfield player yeah. spends addressing the ball and dressing the ball for a free kick, penalty, even a corner, you know. Um, Flipping back to West Ham Tuesday night, Cresswell dressed the ball twice before he actually kicked it from the goal uh, from a corner. Um, you know, and th that's positioning. Yeah. You know, can I get the maximum amount of what I'm about to get? So I want that. And I want the one thing that I believe we can't coach. I want bravery in a goalkeeper. Absolutely. I, I don't think we yeah, can coach it. And again, we can create yeah. the platform, um, the safe environment. Yeah, we, we can create yeah, you that. you can put them in scenarios. Yeah. A goalkeeper bravery um, without sending them to boxing lessons or wrestling lessons, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that I want. Um, everything else, I think we can coach in throughout a player's career. So, yeah, those three things. Communication, uh, a technical understanding of the game, let's say, um, and, and bravery. Yeah. I think so. Hope so. Good free to pick. <laughs> if anyone disagrees, please let me know because <laughs> I'm I'm open. I'm open to learning. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, my my free would be different yep. from your free, and the other coaches would have their their own view on it. Um, that 
leads me on to my next question quite quite nicely. Do you agree, because obviously you're involved with a, a, a club and, and not just a goalkeeping coach, um, that the goalkeeper should get mm-hmm. not only specific goalkeeping training, but also oh. be integrated within the Massively. team practice? It's one of my I know we've spoken a lot about this. Um, especially with the modern game being very more dependent on goalkeepers having ability with their feet. Um, which I think, like it or loathe, yeah. it's an undeniable fact. Um, the goalkeeper is now the 11th outfield player, if you like. Um, absolutely. So, you know, yeah, player with yes, gloves on. goalkeeper-specific training from good coaches as well. You know, um, people that understand goalkeeping as the role that it is. You've, you've got to have specific goalkeeper training. That's undeniably um, crucial. To that extent, you know, we we bring footwork into our sessions, regardless of whatever the topic is we're coaching that week. We we bring footwork, and whether it's dealing with a back pass yeah. or manoeuvring, but whatever it is, you know, so we get that element in there. Um, I think it's the responsibility of the outfield coaches or coaches that are coaching goalkeepers and outfield in the same session to deliver both aspects to all players. Um, yeah, you know, I. I coach my goalkeeper in conjunction with the outfield. There's multiple ways you can go about it. For example, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of an arrival activity. Um, so, yeah, get, yeah, get the we goalkeeper, <laughs> alternate weeks, maybe, I don't know, um, to engage in an outfield-specific arrival activity. Or flip it, you know, get your outfield players yeah. playing handball you know, just set up a regular size pitch. I do this most weeks. It's my go-to. Um, get the other boys using their hands. Because the point at which the outfield know how a goalkeeper yeah. needs to behave and react to deal with a ball. And the goalkeeper knows from an outfield perspective how to receive a pass, how to play a pass. Absolutely. The, the symmetry in the game they is, want is there yeah. to see. So you, you've got to get outfield coaching for a goalkeeper. Just even if it's purely to improve their ability with the ball at the feet. Massive. Um, and then the real reason I think it's crucial that the goalkeepers integrate with the outfield players goes back to the social corner. You know, you, they are a team. Um, yeah. The point at which you segregate the goalkeeper from the outfield, you kind of have to look, am I prioritising the goalkeeper's needs over the outfield? Well, that's a terrible thing to do. Or are you prioritising the outfield yeah. over the goalkeeper? Well, that's a terrible thing to do. So there's no right answer there. Yeah. So you've got to do a mixture of both. Um, I, I, for me, for me, I'm sure there's people out there disagreeing, um, but the, the game is too vast to just blinker yourself to one particular thing, whether it's mixed sessions, one-to-ones, group sessions, outfield-specific, goalkeeper-specific. You know, You need to be doing all of those things all of them, and you need to be doing them all with the same amount of dedication as well. Um, I will encourage my goalkeeper, yeah. my Sunday league goalkeeper, I will encourage him to give the same amount of effort for the outfield bit as he's giving for the goalkeeping bit. Uh, and again, just it loops back to the philosophy. Yeah, agreed. Um, you apply yourself and the rewards will come. Yeah, I like that. I suppose 
I would just add to it that if if you're an outfield coach and you want to incorporate your goalkeeper into your sessions, just try and make it as yes. realistic to what they're going to face in a game. So if you're doing a small-sided game, for example, but you haven't got the use of goals, then put your goalkeeper in an end zone, for example, because then if they're yep. receiving off the back three or back four that's in front of them, it's the same as they would receive no. it in a game. The only difference is, is they've not got it's a goal the behind them. It's the repetition, isn't those it? Receiving the, the game really isn't and ball playing. No, if, if you can deal with those passes yes. in training, um, it's not alien to the goalkeeper when they're doing it. Um, and the spatial awareness thing as well, this is, this is something else I picked yeah. up off with an FA mentor. He came to assess one of my... You know, it was a specific outfield session as it goes. And I'd, I'd set up the first activation activity yeah. off of the pitch. I was using a different space. I had a lot of space to use that day. So, okay. um, And he, he said to me, why, why are you doing this arrive, uh, activation activity here? I said, oh, because you know, I've got the space. The session was planned. I arrived earlier, so I thought this is handy. I've got I the space, start yeah. moving cones and equipment in between. Just, yeah, make the session flow nicer. Yeah, just and transfer said, them over. Okay, yeah. and he said, but how many hours a week do your players spend on a football pitch? I said, oh, maybe two hours? He said, brilliant. He said, so at this age, because again, don't forget I'm coaching younger kids. He said, the more time they spend on that pitch acclimatising to the boundaries of it, the length of it, the width of it, he said, it's going to improve their spatial awareness in a game. And that was a golden nugget for me, you know. Um, I thought, yeah, do you know what? He's absolutely right. So, now, yeah. yeah, it's not always possible, Dan. Uh, you know, Makes it's sense. not always practical. Um, but it's using that available information yeah. to make the best decision for the player or the, the person. And and that's what, you know, if you're looking at, should I do a week's solid uh, coaching course or should I send my boy to three two-hour sessions every other day? Should I send my daughter purely to Saturday morning sessions should I enrol them in a futsal team? Do you know what I mean? All of these things, I think it's so important to have the variety and, and do all of them, you know, and take from it whatever positive you can take from it and implement it in your game. Yeah, I like that. So we've had a couple of questions coming from uh, one of the parents from our Excellent. Tuesday night girls only session at Billericay Town mm-hmm. um, sweep Ooh, the keeper or stay okay. at home what's your preference <laughs> you know me the, the I, I pick a lane and I stick to it um, so uh, uh, as I mentioned um, I've done a lot of training <laughs> under Mickey Cook um, weird I respected him as a kid even before I knew what yeah. respect was you know what I mean I, I, I listened to this guy and um he got me playing so high off of the box even. Um, but he was very clear and concise. You know, Ben, I want you to do this and you follow the play. And if you have the opportunity to get to the ball before a centre forward, if the ball's been played over the top, you get hold of it. Try to play it to feet. If you can't, punt it back up the pitch. It, mate, it transformed my game. Um, don't get me yeah. wrong. Maybe I was built for it. Maybe there was a technical attribute I had that Mickey wanted to exploit. 
maybe the centre-backs I were playing behind were not quite as fast as they should be. Do you know what I mean? There's a whole load of stuff, you know. So yeah, weren't quick. Yeah, I'm a massive advocate of goalkeepers defending the space, um, playing high enough up the pitch to offer a different level of support yeah. to their back line. Um, my playing career, the offside track was a massive thing for us. Um, I did not have fast defenders, so they would play high. Believe it or not, I was a little bit pacier when I was younger. Um, you know, they we would encourage the ball over the top <laughs> because I would collect nine out of ten. Um, anecdotal story, I played a couple of Vets games yeah. back end of last season and Gavin, the guy that I coach with, right. was on the sideline and a ball was played over the top. Don't, don't get me wrong, Vets is a lot slower than youth football for obvious reasons. And um, I've left maybe the penalty yeah. spot, edge of the 18, maybe. And I bolted out and um, cleared the ball away, out for a throw-in, retreated back to the goal line, carried on. Walked off at half-time. The looks I was getting, I thought, what have I done here? And they, yeah. And it was, <laughs> nobody thought you were going to make Where's that. that come from? I was like, yeah. make what? They said, when you were coming out the box to clear that ball over the top. I said, well, I knew I was going to make it. And the alternative was a one-on-one. Now, for me... I've got more chance of success with my physique, my fitness, my technical ability, whatever you want to sort of spin it. My chances of success were higher running off the line and clearing that ball. Yeah. If I'm a different type of goalkeeper, maybe not as fast, um, maybe slower to identify that risk, then yes, maybe I stay home and defend the goal. Um, So, you know, your goalkeeper has to know their own attributes, what they're good at, and how can they maximise their chance of preventing the ball going in the back of the net. Um, You've got to have influence there from your coaching squad or your manager. You know, um, if I was playing for a manager that said, you do not leave your 18-yard box unless there's a real goal threat, I would respect that manager's decision to the best of my ability. Yeah. But you you play kind of the way your manager wants to play. (laughs) Yeah. Narrowing the angle, it's a scientific fact. Do you know what I mean? If, if you're closer to the ball, it's got less chance of passing you. Um, so that, for me, I always want my goalkeeper off their line. I think the only time you should be on your goal line is for a penalty kick. Um, other than that, um, I want you off pitch. I actually did some work with um, our club's under-12 goalkeeper um, before lockdown because his coach came to me and said, Ben, I, I can't get him off his goal line. Um, yeah, yeah. So I literally I stood on the sideline. I remember you telling me this. Yeah. Listen, I'm just going to pace the sideline, and I'm going to be at the height up the pitch that I think you should be. So you know you should be tracking me. Um, he's got a reference point, yeah. And I only did it for the first half. He's got a reference. No, yeah. My coaching style doesn't allow me to be that direct. Um, plus, plus it was freezing that particular day. Um, but again. <laughs> It's all well and good me saying that from my perspective on the sideline, this is how high up the pitch you should be. I am not naive enough to think that I can see what that goalkeeper can see. And only our goalkeepers actually know whether they're going 110% or 80%. So if he's not comfortable being on the edge of the 18 and he wants to hold the penalty spot, that's his decision. And... 
you know, provided you learn from experiences, I think yeah. the goalkeeper themselves will determine whether they're a sweeper, keeper, or a stay-at-home keeper, was it worded? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I would always coach yeah. a high, off your line, okay. maybe out of the box, defending the space. That would be my personal preference um, in coaching. Proactive, yeah. I think it's more interactive as well. It can proactive. be a really lonely position. You, you know this from experience. If all of the action is in the other half of the pitch, yeah. Um, yeah. being 18, 20 yards nearer to the action makes your communication a little bit easier. You feel more involved with the game. Absolutely. Keeps your concentration levels up. More engaged. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's important. And again, you know, my point of view, your point of view, everyone's going to have a different point of view. As long as we're putting the goalkeeper first and using all of that information to improve their game, there is no right or wrong answer, is there? Yeah, agreed. Um, oh, dear. This next question has come from Coach Vince, the <laughs> Peter Pan of DW Goalkeeping Academy. <laughs> um, advice to a young goalkeeper who feels oh, okay. right. as though they're going for a very important run of games. For, for any goalkeeper, isn't it? Confidence. Um, my advice would be don't yeah. concern yourself with what others are doing slash what others think. Um, you know, everybody's done it, even up to the yeah. professional level. You know, they train four days a week, they're getting paid amazing money, they're surrounded by physios, dietitians. You name it, they've got it, and they still dip out of form. Um, for me, it's about confidence. Um, you know, don't analyse or get hung up on what you deem to have been a mistake. Um, you know, we've all had a ball slip through our hands. We've all gone out for that one-on-one and not got anywhere near the ball before it's in the back of the net. And I'm sure that... Everybody on the sideline yeah. that's supporting you as a player wants you to make that save. The point at which you don't, you didn't. You, you can't change the past. Um, I think if you overanalyze any aspect of your game, you're going to end up on a downward spiral. And, you know, I'm pretty much all about the upward positive spiral. So book it as a learning mistake. Analyze it if you want five, ten minutes. Um, and I would say, don't refer back to that after the end of that day. So if, if you're playing on a Saturday morning, you've made what you determine, and it's got to be your fault. You know, if someone says to you, oh, that was a terrible mistake you made there, their opinion doesn't count. They weren't in that position on the pitch. They weren't the one dealing with all the information being thrown at them. You know, is it curving? Is it wet? Is this guy going to strike with his left or his right foot? You know, it, there's a lot of information to process um, as a goalkeeper. Anybody else's opinion doesn't matter. Um, so only analyse what you want to analyse, and it's got to be on game day. If you're analysing it the day after, two days later, a week later, you know, you've lost that point of reference that you had. Um, learn from it, alter your start position, your set position, you know, yeah. all these things. But we can refine that as a coach. You know, if, if one of our goalkeepers came to us during a training session, Dan, Ben, John, Vince, Mark, whoever it is. I went up for a corner. I don't know, making this up, obviously. 
I went, I went to take a corner off the top of a striker's head just outside the yeah, box on Sunday. Yeah, completely misjudged the flight of the ball and he's headed into basically what was an open net. Brilliant. You've identified that. That's to be commended. Let's work on it. You know, this is a big, broad topic, you know, dealing with crosses and high balls. Probably yeah. the trickiest topic to deal with, I think. You know, it's really hard and... That's what I think parents, difficult. coaches, yeah, whoever difficult. it is trying yeah. to analyse, in inverted commas, a mistake a goalkeeper has made, get in the sticks and have a go. Because it's not as easy as it looks. Um, so, yeah, as a goalkeeper, yeah. criticise yourself over a short period of time, very quickly, you know, like bite size, then forget it. It doesn't matter anymore. That's um, fair advice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd just add to it by saying it's not going to last forever. Um, and, and for me, I mean, this terminology might be aimed at more the older goalkeepers. Mm -hmm. But first of all, yep. what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? But then secondly, rationalise it. So similar to what you just said, it's yep. going to that you are going to get one that goes through mm -hmm. your legs or you're going to have one that you miss kick or there's going to be one that just loops over your head. Um, you know, but you just need to, in your mindset, understand yeah. that unfortunately that is going to happen at some stage throughout the season. Um, happens to the, the very uh, top end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and like again, you said, just you having know, that coping mechanism to, you to deal with it. As how far you want to go with it. If you want to make a professional level, you've got to understand you're going to be critiqued um, and you've got to take that on the chin as such, but take it with a pinch of salt as well. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I know you mm -hmm. alluded to it earlier as part of your, what do you want from your goalkeeper when they're playing the team, but how important is it to have brilliant basics? I know we did a, a live Instagram Q&A with um, Billy Lapine at West Ham. Okay. He, he used this 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 phrase, uh, brilliant basics. So I just wanted to know from you how... Brilliant how basics. I like that phrase. To have those, I must admit, I, I missed that into the live, um, which is a... Yeah, it's a good one, eh? Bad thing, because I'm, I'm definitely going to borrow that brilliant basics phrase in my Shame. coaching <laughs> career now. Um, yeah. yeah, I think fundamentally... Um, one of the ways I try to educate or coach our goalkeepers is do the most you can to make your job or life or role as easy as you can, akin to the work smart, not hard. Um, yeah. Let's use the set position again as an example. Yeah. There is a reason there is a sort of generally renowned correct way to set. Um, it gives you equal opportunity to collect that high ball, to turn it into a scoop. You know, the, the set position determines your next movement. Um, fundamentally, I think set and hand position. Yeah. Start and set position. For the keepers moving out of kind of foundation stage of football into other levels, you know, maybe I'd drag start and set position into that um, as well. Um, again, you know, Goalkeeper specific coaching, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, real basic fundamentals now. 
you know, uh, people listening might not know, I do the, the younger group exclusively on a Thursday night at the Plume. Um, yeah, and I love it. They're kind of blank canvases, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, more than, yeah. I don't know how much other goalkeeping-specific training they're getting. So much of those sessions is set position, hand position, off your line, you know, cover this part. I love it. I, you know, it's it's brilliant. They're at the stage now where they're still learning. Yeah. So they're absorbing this. And the results and gains that you see from specific goalkeepers like that versus the older kids perhaps that have had no or little coaching or a different style of coaching, I think ironing those wrinkles out is a lot harder. At, yeah, I'm going to say sort of the 14 to 16-year-old bracket. You know, it's, it's quite tricky. So, yeah, get those fundamentals um, Brilliant basics. I'm definitely pinching that. Um, the earlier you can get them in, the goalkeeper's going to make more saves for me. Yeah. Um, and that then leads into the confidence thing. You know, if, if, if you played a game where you're making saves left, right and centre, you come off at half-time and realise that you still haven't conceded, that the goalkeeper puffs their chest out, you know. Um, and for me, that's a real crucial aspect into to playing your best yeah. game. So, yeah. I think it's crucial. And again, for, for parents and other coaches out there, um, those fundamentals are widely available on the internet. You know, a quick Google or YouTube search. Um, if you're coaching your child or goalkeeper in the same way as the other coaches are trying to coach them, repetition is key. You know, it's all well and good, you, me, and the other academy coaches saying, you know, shoulder, yeah. shoulder width apart with your feet. I want to see your fingers, show me your part. It's all well and good us saying that for an hour, a week, two hours a week, three hours a week, whatever it is. We're not yeah. there on match day. We're not there when they're training with their club or academy. Um, so the, the repetition, and that's how you get brilliant basics, right? It becomes muscle memory. Then it becomes instinctive. The point at which it's instinctive and you haven't got to think about it, you can begin yeah. to look at other aspects of the game or other ways of improving a different technical ability. Um, so, yeah, you know, get the foundations in early, build them strong, and good things will happen. Yeah, agreed. And you can obviously then build on the more difficult techniques in the game or or then start to move them on to maybe a little bit yeah, more yep. tactical type stuff like we touched on in regards to defending the space nope. in behind. Because obviously you, you can't really ask your Absolutely. goalkeeper to be doing that until they've got a grasp of the, um, of the basics. Who was that again? Um, good question, that. Um, that came from Bo Hart, oh, who is excellent. one of good the question. Watford Academy goalkeepers. Um, advice right. to a goalkeeper we get this a lot to be fair um, who is moving from 9 oh, aside okay. to 11 right. aside so I'm not really so big jump. best position to answer this because I've got no experience of this um, ultimately I've coached goalkeepers okay. in 9 aside goals and I've coached goalkeepers okay. in 11 aside goals I don't get the feeling that's the direction the question's going um, yeah, because there's other things to take into account. Obviously, there's more players okay. on the pitch. Um, the pitch is bigger. Um, formation 
is likely to have changed. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a coach, I've coached the transference from five aside to seven aside, and this sort of distorted, broken season we've had, we've begun to make the transition from seven aside to nine aside. This transition, the seven to nine, has definitely been harder for yeah. me and Gavin and the boys to deal with than the transition from five to seven. So to answer that question, I think you know, you, you've got to be in a position where yeah. you've seen that happen. And you know, there's some learning curve there to take forwards with you. And I don't have that. Um, so I would just say communication probably becomes more important because you've got additional players on the pitch, you know, so keep, keep that in mind. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not well positioned to answer that, unfortunately. And I, I never experienced it as a player either. Yeah, please, because so, I'd like to hear it anyway. No, so I'll, I'll give my take on it because si- Similar, similar to yourself, when I played, um, I don't remember there being um, the, the sort of stop gaps that there are now. So five, seven, nine to 11 aside. Yeah. I remember from a very young age being asked to play uh, on an 11 aside yeah, pitch, as well. 11 aside goal and kick a size five football. And that must, I must have only been 10. Um, but from a, from a coaching point of view, um, if you're if you've got the resources as uh-huh. a coach, then I would put a nine aside goal in an eleven aside goal in training. So the goalkeeper's got an understanding yeah. of how Specific much wider and how much taller mm. the goal is um from what they're used to to what they're going into. Yeah, so they've got the reference. That'd be the first point. And I appreciate not everyone has got access to the goals that we've got access to in the venues that we use during the week. Um, but even if you've got tra- even if you train on grass um, and you've got um, maybe even training poles so you have um, two poles that are obviously the 11 yeah. aside width and then you've got two within it that are, that are nine aside just to give that goalkeeper a little bit more understanding of, of the sizing that they're dealing with I would mark out an 11 aside goal uh, mm-hmm. 11 aside goal area using flat discs or cones so again, they, they've got a visual mm-hmm. cue of how how much more space they've got cover, um, and also this thing really bugs me. Don't don't assume that if your goalkeeper's got quite a good mm. uh, dead ball kick from a nine aside. Uh, Might not transfer over. It's not yeah. necessarily going to be the same in an eleven aside format. Yeah, so my my sort of summary would be try and bring it to life for the goalkeeper using what you've got in your in your training sessions and the environment. But uh-huh. secondly, you touched on it, communication's key, not just with the goalkeeper but with the players. Um thirdly, when it comes to distribution, because it is a massive factor when jumping from nine to eleven, uh technique uh, becomes mm-hmm. more apparent so really work on the goalkeeper's kicking yeah. technique so they're not going to have the distance because they're still growing but um, technique becomes more important um, so yeah that would be how I'd summarise it and try try to have I mean 
a lot of youth clubs that we go into. Yes, got the playing up thing, you're going to say. Um, team at a specific yeah. age group. So for me, be- yeah. So for me, before the season starts, uh-huh. well, you know, sometimes you get like an A and a B team at under 11s, for example, or under 10s. Try and my my manager used to do this a lot during Crew. pre-season. Try and organise as many sort of training games as you can. So, you, yeah, you're playing against I don't know your mm-hmm. significant other team in your age group within your own club, but instead of the managers and the coaches using it as a you know this is a game and we're going to win, yeah, use it as a training Absolutely. game where the coaches Coaching can sort of step in and, and work on yeah. those scenarios that we've just touched on. That would well. I'm going to yeah, note that because, be as I my, said, I haven't experienced quick, it yet. Quick fire advice it's on that: a little way around the corner, but yeah, I'll take that advice <laughs> on board and use it definitely. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Marvelous. Glad I've been some sort of help. <laughs> so. This next question follows on quite well from uh-huh. uh, the, the nine aside to the eleven aside format, and we did sort of briefly touch on it. Um, as okay. you know, a lot of goalkeep- young goalkeepers struggle with dead ball kicks okay. from a young age. What advice okay. would you give so again uh, to those from boys and girls that I was struggling goalkeeper. with goal kicks? Um, I, I I struggled, and it's a tiny bit embarrassing. Yeah, so was all I. the way until I was nineteen years of age. Okay, so um, quite often I would have my centre back take the goal kick, um, and I did this from under, let's say under eights, under nines, whatever my first season was, all the way through, and um, I learnt how to kick a football. It sounds ridiculous saying it out loud, doesn't it? I learnt how to kick a football at the age of nineteen, and it's because one day I said to this particular player, listen, this is ridiculous. Why don't you and I, next Wednesday, because we were training Wednesday nights, spend the entire hour where I try and copy exactly what you do? So, absolutely. And again, it's equipment related. You know, you you need to have lots of footballs because there's nothing worse than kicking a football 90 yards and then having to run after it. It's It's not a good practice to do. So, but me and Eddie, we took, took six footballs away from the rest of the team. He kicked one. Um, you know, we didn't have slow motion cameras or anything back then. Um, so I literally watched how he approached the ball, where he placed his feet. Um, the angle his body shape was at to try and get the loft onto the ball. Legs, but I mean, it's again, it's a very technical, detailed thing, kicking a football. Yeah. Um, especially when there's... Yeah, with no momentum in it either, um, no inertia yeah. to transfer. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a massive it. thing. So, yeah, I'm 19-year-old goalkeeper learning how to kick a football. Not from a qualified coach or a parent or anyone like that. It was one of my teammates. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate, again, of peer, peer learning. I think it's crucial. Um, so, if you are that goalkeeper, yeah. Um, yeah. ask for help. It's it's a bigger issue than you think. And without wanting to sound like a school teacher, and, and you've just alluded to it, lots of goalkeepers struggle with it. Um, I can't coach that in the way I want to coach that in, a, in an hours group session. Because if we've got four goalkeepers that can kick and one that can't, 
yeah, it, it's tricky for us as coaches to deliver that in a yeah. session, but have a chat with your Sunday yeah, league manager or, yeah. or your parent or a sibling, you know, whoever it is, someone you know can kick a football a long way. Um, if they've got the time to help you, go and do it. Copy them. There's, there's no harm in taking something that works and borrowing it. Um, John Whitman will tell you that because I do that with his goalkeeping sessions. He delivers ones that work. I copy it and take it to the plume on a Thursday night and I look like a genius. Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. So that would be, my, don't panic about yeah, it. Yeah, we all do. Always yeah, we all do. We're all thieves. Um, piece of advice to a goalkeeper. Learn from others. And then the other thing, and again, this is an experience thing. I played for teams where I was taking 26, 36, 46 goal kicks in a game because we were so much under the cosh. Um, my fitness, and I know it's only a yeah. six-yard or seven-yard or eight-yard approach to kick a football, my fitness let me down with spot kicks. Um, if I took one at minute five of a game, it would be okay. If I had to take another one in five minutes, 30 seconds, that would not quite have the loft, angle, accuracy, all of these things. It would, you know, it would have suffered. If that ball came back again, that third kick, I'd go and retrieve the football and I'd be asking my centre-back to take it again. Um, so that's that. And then the other aspect of it, which is probably quite important, I encourage mm. my goalkeepers to play out from the back. You know, my playing philosophy is a Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp style. Yeah, so, you know, there's going to be negatives and positives to everything Building. coaching. Yeah. And the negative to that style that I'm trying to promote is my goalkeeper is exposed less to dead ball kicks anyway. You know, because, A, we have the retreat, retreat line, which helps massively. I would say 70% of my goalkeepers' dead ball kicks are side foot 10-yard passes. Um, so I'm aware that I'm preventing him that learning curve. So that's the negative there. Um, so I think it's, it's also crucial for coaches and managers to be aware, yeah. you know, kind of what we were just discussing, the step from nine to 11 aside, I think the chances of your goalkeeper having to play a longer dead ball kick increase. So in your pre-season training, um, or if the season started, I think it's probably too late. Yeah. You need to have allocated a block of time, a set of resources to that dead ball kick. Um, you know, in the modern game, possession-based football is, is winning games. Um, you look at the cities, the Liverpools, even Man United of old, they, they had the ball and you had to come and get it. It's just as crucial to keep possession from a goal kick as it is when you're in the middle of the pitch. Um, so don't, don't prevent your goalkeeper that learning opportunity. Um, that, that would be my advice. And I've lived it. You know, I've got the um, I couldn't kick a ball badge of honour. Yeah, I think I'll just add to it, just to summarise quickly, is find the yes. technique that works for you. And you're only going to find that by, like you said, doing. Um, there's a lot of football games on at the moment. So watch, watch like whenever you see De Gea strike a ball or Edison strike a ball, they don't run up and try and actually lever the hell out of it. It's all about that technique. So watch what they do, watch their approach, watch mm -hmm. their body stance, watch where they're kicking under the ball, um, watch their posture, 
Um, but also, like you touched on as well, there's a lot on YouTube now. There's a lot repetition, online. Repetition, um, repetition. Find the repetition. technique that works for you. Oh, practice no, you're it. Absolutely right. Keep working on it would be my advice. Yeah. So just, just conscious of time. Um, Excellent. Next lot of questions are uh-huh. around I would, the I would argue key member of that Academy, um, <laughs> which you are obviously part of. Um, they, they all love me, really. <laughs> I wonder if any of the other coaches would uh, disagree with that. Um, the DW? Oh, <laughs> what, easy question. What made you one. want to join? So, initially? you know, there's lots of... yeah inverted commas, goalkeeping, coaching going on um, around me. Uh, I never saw anything that I would want to participate in as a goalkeeper. So, you know, whether that was me as a player, um, you know, I looked at these sessions and they didn't appeal to me as a parent, player or person. Um, I was like, oh, this is what's going on here. And um, one of the guys who... I, tr- I coached his boy, actually. Um, he's a goalkeeper at, at Sunday League Club. He said, oh, this, uh, this DW, they seem all right. One of my mates, um, who I'm assuming brought their child to Clack, uh, Robert Clack, uh, they're, they're really good. I was like, oh, okay. Um, at the same time, coincidentally, yeah. you were advertising because you needed a new coach on Facebook. You were expanding. Um, not to your knowledge, yeah, I crept up to Clack yeah. one night to see what was going on. Um, sort of stood there incognito, but being careful, you know, um, <laughs> as you have to be. And it was you. I was, yes. Um, there, there was you. What turned out Keeping to be Paul Gates and John. Uh, I, I can't remember the other person. It might have been James. Can't remember. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, okay, so yeah, James. And I kind of stood there, uh, I don't know, oh, yeah, I'd set James. myself a 50-yard yeah, yeah. distance. And it was one of them, I was just getting nearer and nearer and nearer to the barrier because I wanted to hear what you were saying. I wanted to see the kids' reaction, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it, it's the only, yeah. the only time I'd been exposed to other goalkeeping coaches, other than myself, because I classed myself as a goalkeeping coach, well, I thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. And I include my FA badges on that, you know, and yeah. all the training that I went through. It was just, oh, my God, these guys are putting a goalkeeper first. You know, um, you weren't in a muddy field rolling around. You was on the Astro turf. Yeah. And then when I looked you up on Facebook, all of your venues are 3G, 4G. So, you, you know, you created yeah. that environment. And I, I didn't have my coaching philosophy nailed down back then. Dan, yeah. You know, it was still up in the air. Um, but there was just a, a, a synergy, you know, it, it, it felt correct. The kids looked like they yeah. were enjoying themselves. You had parents standing there. It was the summer, so I'm not going to say it's freezing cold, but parents yeah. standing there, yeah, supporting their child, you know, showing their support for the, the academy. I was just like, oh, yeah. my God. Um, then obviously messaged you. And, you know, other than the FA Level 1, probably the second best decision or second best life event that's happened to me since the birth of my children. Oh, and it helps that all the coaches are amazing. Um, even those oh, that have said nice in previous since, well, no, they are, aren't they? You know, um, 
we, we we're colleagues, <laughs> that in. You know, we're friends as well. Um, even the ones that said they wouldn't want to share a hotel. Yeah, no, they're very good. <laughs> yeah, mm, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, that, oh, that, that, yeah they that need to get <laughs> So, mm-hmm. pleased to hear it. Um, that leads us on quite nicely to the next question. Obviously, as you alluded to, I obviously needed to bring uh, mm-hmm. you into the academy to to help cover the the, the growing numbers that we were getting. Yeah, and we've now obviously yep. got. I think 10, 10 of us that coach at the, at, at the Academy, um, which is, which is great. Um, and they're all, you know, different um, experiences, different mm-hmm. backgrounds, different ways that they coach, um, which is, which is great. It makes the Academy what it is, um, makes it work, makes it successful. What, what's impressed uh, you the most over the years so about how much we've head, grown, if you like? The, the way in which you've grown sustainably. So okay. the, the coaches, all of us, every single one of us, deliver goalkeeper-specific yes. stuff, put the coach, put the keeper first. Do you know what I mean? Like, to do that across the number of venues that, that you have, yeah, keepers that you have, across the full calendar week, you know, and when we are training, I know you at the very least is, is non-stop. Um, yeah, you know, so the sustainable delivery of what we are, yeah. our ethics, our morals, our coaching styles, you know, that, that's impressive. Um, I know as a, as a running the business, the business is only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. None of us, you know, I, I don't think any of us are the weakest link because we all yeah. pull each other forwards, drag each other up, upwards up. So that, that's really impressive. Um, you know, and, and you know, yeah, ten members of staff, yeah. must be hundreds of goalkeepers, right? Hum, do you know what I mean? So that that's that's good. Yeah, we're, we're dealing with 150 people, 200 a week. We don't coach the same goalkeepers every week because of the rotation that you do. So we, you know, so, so that you know, that for me is is a really no. impressive yeah. um, statistic, and the fact that it appears to be exponential. You know, it hasn't been all oh, new venue numbers dropping off, picking up. You know, it's new venue. Oh, yeah. we need to put a second hour on. You know, and people people vote with their feet. You know, we wouldn't have goalkeepers enrolling to yeah. whatever session it is, um, with whatever coach it is. That the numbers enrolling is just the measure of success, other than how many goalkeepers are leaving the session smiling, and you know. They all seem well, the kids I'm involved with, um, you know, with Mark yeah. and you at Billericay, with with Mark E and you at the Plume. They all seem to leave happy most weeks. Um, yeah, and and they've learned. So, well, again, going back to my coaching philosophy, I put yeah. a session on where they're going to enjoy something. it first. And if I'm debriefing with a group of goalkeepers, I want to know they've enjoyed it first and foremost. The second thing not even level pegging for me. It's the second thing. Did you learn something? Because if they haven't, that's then for me to address as a coach. I need to stretch that individual more. Perhaps I need to offer them different things. So it it ties into the growth of the academy, you know, because I've had a debrief with you where I said to this group, what did you learn tonight? 
and one of them turned around and said to me, well, nothing. So, Dan, Dan, how much of my session did you see? Here's my session plan. How can I improve on that? You know, and all of us <laughs> coaches are like that. We're all still trying to improve our game. Yeah. So that growth that we've witnessed, seen, developed, whatever phrase you want to put on it, it's nowhere near, it's nowhere near stopping. Um, and I think as a measure of success, happy children voting with their feet, getting their parents to bring them week in, week out. Um, it's a massive, massive pat on your back, mate. Hey, hey, yeah, everyone's back. Yeah. Everyone's back, I'd like to add. Uh, that's a, a, a nice summary to hear. Um, uh-huh. You touched on it a second ago. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of goalkeeping coaches, uh, in, in inverted commas, mm. Um, <laughs> slash companies mm-hmm. that have popped up over the last year or so. Um, obviously, you're you're a parent yourself. What what would you say oh, okay. to other parents who um, are looking at all the the, the different options I'm that talk are out there at the moment? First, yeah. Um, so with my boy, he's of an ability. Um, yeah, he's been to lots and lots of different training sessions organised by, um, I don't want to start name dropping here, so let's go pro club organised holiday camps, private companies akin to ourselves, as in it's it's your yeah. business, and we deliver your philosophies and stuff. Um, willingly, yeah. I might add, never held... I've never been held yeah. at gunpoint and go, you will deliver this session. Um, yeah, free yeah. choice, but try and stick to this syllabus. Type thing. <laughs> um, so I've taken much, Danny. Free choice, yeah. And then you know, what I call yeah. private corporations. So, you know, any parent that's spoken to you, yes, you're in business. Yes, this is your living, but you deliver to the goalkeeper first. There are organisations out there who appear on the face of it to be this yeah. child welfare, all-inclusive, ability-doesn't-matter organisation. Yeah, and it is. It is smoke and mirrors, absolutely. Um, and I had the smoke unfortunate yeah. situation where I had to address the director of one of these companies face-to-face after my boy had left the session and he had a face on him like I've never seen before. I promise you, I know all kids are like this. He lives, eats, breathes football. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There was a point, and I was a terrible parent, but there was a point where he was training four nights a week. Loves it. Playing yeah. Saturday and playing Sunday, which is, is too much. But, you know, he had that much enthusiasm for it. I went for it. And he's come out of this, and I won't name it, particular session. So yeah. I approached director of and person that had just delivered this session and said listen he's come out not happy um i'm not interested in what happened who said what and this that and the other but could you give me an indication of why that might be that's all i wanted to know he could exactly my boy may have been the one aggravating whatever happened he might not have been i don't know i wasn't there it's it's not my thing and the body language and answer of this said individual, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is not 
it's not how I would design a session. It's not how I yeah, would coach. Said, said enough. It's not how I would address. I mean, I'm, I'm a paying parent, you know, and you have paying parents. It's got to be inclusive and fun first. Yeah. It's not a business. As I said earlier, these, these goalkeepers or outfield players, they are not assets. You know, they, they are not numbers on your balance sheet. When you go and see your accountant at the end of the year, he doesn't measure your success in smiles, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't. But he does measure it on profit and loss. And <laughs> unfortunately, <I think> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can see, you, you can get a feel from yeah. the coaches you see. I mean, I would say go and watch a session without your child first. Because if you're not comfortable, yeah, if you're not comfortable with your, oh, you mean when I came to watch you? Yeah, like you did. Is that what you just referred yeah. to? Yeah, sorry, I missed that. Um, if you're not comfortable with what you see as a parent, yeah, uh, guardian, yeah, don't put your goalkeeper <laughs> or outfield player in that position. You know, um, likewise, if they come out of the session and they haven't enjoyed it, ask why. Address the coach. Um, I mean, you know, we have discussions with parents quite regularly. Yeah. If they're not enjoying it, I want to know why as a coach. And you want to know why yeah. as a coach. Mark Morris wants to know why as a coach. And we'll address that. But there's coaches out yeah. there who won't address that. And typically for me, they are in those organisations, you know. Um, so, yeah, my, my advice would be check it out first. Speak. Speak to the people. Um, I mean, come and watch any DW session. And ask the parents research. on the sideline, away from us, get an honest opinion. Um, you know, ask, what do they do? Why do they do it? Why is that coach doing that? Yeah. Quiz us. I mean, send you a message on Facebook or Insta. You know, Dan, my goalkeeper is yeah, why are you here? Uh, nine yeah. years old. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at the Billericay Tuesday night session. Come down, have a look. Um, feel us out. Talk to us. Um, we all put the goalkeeper first. Yeah. And lots of people out there, um, my opinion, um, you know, apologies to anyone I offend, they look at these people as, as assets and numbers on a balance sheet, and that's never how you're going to progress. It's never, ever going to happen. Do your research. But speak to yeah. the coaches. We're all approachable no, people. Agreed. You know, um, so um, in summary for you, yeah, do if, your if research. If you want an honest opinion of... Dan, speak to me or one of the other coaches. Yeah, we're nice. We're, we're nice guys. Well, no, no. Again, you know, we're going to do that. If you go and speak to a coach of oh, organisation <laughs> here and say, "Oh, can I speak to the head coach?" and you get a, uh, "Oh yeah, uh, oh, it's my first week. Um, I think that's the guy over there." I'm kind of going to tell you what you need to know. You know, this is a numbers game, and they're just churning numbers, and yeah, the ones that stick and stay stick and stay the ones that go have gone you know and you're, you're placing your goalkeeper in our care for at least an hour a week yeah and the words that we use and the body language that we use might stick in their brain until the week later you know because the as much as we have positive impacts on goalkeepers i hope we can quite easily have a negative impact on them um if you're getting that from the get-go as a parent, the first time you're introducing yourself or your player to a coach, yeah. don't even bother. Turn around and walk out. Take them with you. 
change hobbies. Take and see a cricket coach or a tennis. Do you know what I mean? Do something, mm. but do not put your child in the care of that person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, good answer. Do your research. Look where they look where they train. Look what yeah. success they've Have had. Look at their philosophy. Um, yeah. Most importantly, speak to them. See what uh-huh. they got to say. So, right. Okay. Just conscious of time. Last five minutes are All a time. quick Michael for you. Peter Schmeichel without a shadow Who's about. your favourite goalkeeper of all time? The Great Dane. My God. All time. He, he's one of the reasons I love football and I love goalkeeper. The Great Dane. He, for me, just watching him on the telly as a kid, um, you know, I'm not even the success of the team he was in, but just watching him in between the sticks doing the things that he did. Um, and his bark, you know, the camera would pick that up for ages, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, Peter Schmeichel, undoubtedly. Yeah, presence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good name. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, for he, me, he's... Uh, he kept the ball out the net a lot. Unorthodox, um, but effective, you know, I think. Yeah, the, done his job. The best way I can summarise him. Yeah. Oh, so that's job. Um, going back to the earlier question favorite about current goalkeeper. You look at uh, Lloris, Fabianski, De Gea. I think they're in a downward spiral at the minute. So, currently, Premier League, I would probably go for Ariola, the Fulham, the Fulham keeper. Um, quite springy, quite athletic. Um, akin okay. to Mendy Fulham, as yeah. well. I quite like Mendy. Um, I mean, he landed with a bang, didn't he? Um, was it five or six clean shoots on the bounce? I think. Yeah. Something like that. He done really well. Uh, again, he's kind of dipped off a bit, but then there's stuff yeah, going did, on behind yeah. the scenes at Chelsea, I'm sure, um, with Frank going. But yeah, Ario, I think so. Yeah, um, I think so. And he's, he's got to adapt to that. But yeah, well, they're, Ario, they're in a, for me, they're in a transition, um, ain't they? His agility. I mean, he can cover the ground as well, can't he? Um, tall guy, um, yeah, athletically built. No, exactly. He's under well, no, a lot of pressure. No um, disrespect to Fulham, and, and as well, still he's not playing stepping the up great to the plate team in and making great saves um, week in week out. Yeah. Akin to what Fabianski did for West Ham last season, um, you think the, the individual performances that he put in last season probably yeah. stopped us getting relegated. Um, and Ariola could well do the same thing for Fulham. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. He's um, he's had a good. Uh, he's good. Uh, had a good upbringing. I think he was at um, uh, PSG. He's been obviously um, oh, so through Claire Fontaine. The good um, basics, yeah. France, their well-established national Brilliant academy. Basic, so basic. he's. It's about time he skied for me. Yeah, it's about time he showed what he was made of. Yeah, brilliant basics. Yeah, he's got those. Um, Ever. What, what's the best advice you've been given? Advice. Don't worry about what other people are doing or thinking. Yeah. That, that I, I, you know, I mean, you know me on a personal level. Um, so, yeah, I, I had... Um, yeah. It wasn't actually a, a footballing piece of advice. It was yeah. um, a piece of advice that came from a business mentor I had years and years ago. 
Um, it's kind of the equivalent saying, focus on your own game. Um, someone else's opinion, you know, does it matter? So focus yeah. on you, be the best version of you, all those types of stereotypical, fluffy, chirpy stuff. Um, but in a nutshell, don't worry about what others are doing. Worry about yourself. You know my other one. I use it quite a lot, but I'm not going to say that on the podcast. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Because it's tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, that needs to be... The um, style over substance. Yeah, it needs to be post That's the phrase I tell people I live my life by, but it's actually um, the polar opposite of that. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like. Oh well. yeah, I know. Um, so I, I had a plan. Um, the plan was completely outfield level two, which I've just done, um, and then I intended to August yeah. twenty nine or well, twenty twenty be doing my GK level two. Um, that that was my plan. So then, hopefully, in a few years, yeah. Um, following your footsteps, as it were, and go on to the UA for being goalkeeping. Um, that that was where I wanted to get. That's the the qualification that begins to open doors, doesn't it? Okay. Um, academies and art RTCs and yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So again, yes. not necessarily as a full time career. Um, so cool. As as an extension of yeah. my learning journey. Um, what can I deliver to? The, the children in my care or the players in my care. Um, so that was my plan. It's still a bit up in the air with the various FAs, as you're yeah. well aware. Um, so now it looks like I might be going through a UEFA C, perhaps. Yeah. If that's what they end up doing. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at at the minute. I'm, I'm up in the air. Oh. I'm definitely going to continue coaching, um, even even when I can't coach my boy. Um, and you know, some sort of pathway will open itself up. I'm sure it oh. will. Uh, more than welcome. Just wanted to say I've enjoyed thank, it. Thank you to you for giving up your time on a Friday afternoon. Um, good. It's been much appreciated. I'm sure the listeners um, would have found your stories very insightful. The advice that you gave, I found very Wonderful. helpful. So I'm sure the young goalkeepers or young coaches and managers out there will also find it helpful and beneficial. Um, <laughs> so just to those that have taken the time out to kindly listen to myself and Ben this afternoon, um, please do give us a follow Perfect. on Take iTunes Cheers, and Spotify. Um, ben, much appreciated. I will catch up with you soon. Mm-hmm.